I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. I have an ultra important ripoff alert for you coming in just seconds. And our websites are Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. Those aren't the ripoffs. And coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, there's a story that has spread around the United States like wildfire about the cruelty that one of the nation's biggest banks um, expressed recently. You are not going to believe it. And they're now trying to backpedal to make up for the wrong behavior, wrong attitude, the inhumanity of one of the nation's largest banks. And coming up yet later, we got Valentine's Day coming in eight days, and I got stuff to tell you about ways to save money, and particularly guys, procrastinators, I'm even going to help you out, show you how to save money. Don't have that panicked look on your face that, oh, I forgot, I haven't done anything. Okay, this is really important, and I need you to take what I'm about to share with you solidly to heart. Ripoff alerts, ripoff alerts. This is a Clark Howard ripoff alert. There's an ugly problem that is going to increase a lot in 20, and it is factored in because of the slowdown in vehicle sales in the country and the resulting squeeze on car dealers, vehicle dealers. Now, hang with me for a minute. So you make sure you get this, understand this completely, because this was a tragedy a decade ago, and I need to make sure that we don't repeat history And we're already at our off-air center, Team Clark, the uh, Consumer Action Center. We're hearing from people who are getting hit over the head with this. So as I shared with you back in the fall, we have the largest number of people ever trading in a vehicle they still have a loan outstanding on. You've gotten tired of the vehicle, you want something else, so you trade it in. You're trusting that the dealer you trade that vehicle into is going to pay off the loan on that trade-in. What if they don't? What happens is such an unbelievable disaster that it may take you years and years and years to recover from because you're already in whatever new vehicle you got You have a note you're paying for it. Upside down money on the vehicle you traded in probably is added into that. The dealer, being short of cash, doesn't pay off your trade-in. Who's legally responsible? You are. You signed the note originally for that vehicle you traded in. The lender doesn't have to care why that loan's not being paid. The lender doesn't have to care that the car dealer didn't do their part. You're the one on the hook for that vehicle, the payment on it, 
And if ultimately it ends up being repoed, you're the one with the repossession who will likely get a judgment against you in most states for non-payment of that loan. You don't have the vehicle anymore and you still have to pay for it. How do you prevent this? Well, I've told you in the past that it's a never rule. Never, 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 not ever trade in a vehicle you still owe money on. Period. Problem solved. If you trade in a vehicle you own free and clear, this disaster cannot happen to you. But a lot of people have taken out these ultra, ultra, ultra long vehicle loans. And you tire out of the vehicle way before you're done with the payments. And because you took out a long loan, you owe far more on it than what the vehicle's worth, i.e. upside down. And then the magicians and the finance and insurance department at the dealership roll that money into the new loan. And you're still on the hook for the old one if it's not paid off. And I can tell you, with the train wreck that is approaching for a lot of vehicle dealers this year, this is unfortunately a problem we're going to hear repeatedly. They're going to be dealers that the floor lender is going to shut down. I don't know if you know that process. But anyway, all those acres of vehicles that a dealer has on their lots, they don't have money for all those. They borrow it on what's called a floor plan, where they're paying a daily interest for every vehicle sitting on their lot. Well, if the dealer gets into a bind and they can't pay that, the dealership is instantly out of business. The floor plan people come and seize every vehicle on the lot. It's over. So imagine you're in the midst of that. You trade it in a vehicle, it doesn't get paid off, the dealer ceases to exist. Who even knows where your vehicle ever ends up? And in a game of musical chairs, you're the one without a chair and no recourse. Please, please, you solve so many problems that could happen in your life if you don't get tempted to get rid of a vehicle that you still owe money on, especially when you're upside down. Take the bitter medicine and keep driving the thing even if you don't like it anymore. Kim is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kim. Hi, Clark. Great to talk to you. Well, great to have you here. What's going on with you? Well, I like to get your take on things before I make a big money decision. And this is the one I'm looking at right now. I am wondering if those uh, things you see on TV where they buy your life insurance and and, uh, give you cash, and they also continue to pay the rest of the premiums, if that is a good deal, if that's or how much you even get out of it if you do that. So that used to be referred to as uh, viatical, but now it's considered to be a wider name and industry than that. So what you're doing is you're assigning your death benefit to someone else, uh, typically a pool of investors, and in return, you get cash up front out of that policy. 
This yeah. is what we're talking about, right? Right. Yeah. I basically, you know, I'm thinking if I can get some enough money now that I'm debt free except for the mortgage, I could pay that off. Could prepay funeral, uh, burial plan if that's a good idea, and and uh, and I I don't have any expenses to pay off after after I die except the mortgage and I could save that premium which is huge it's like 185 a month and save that also by not having to make those premiums and you give up that life you give up that death benefit for your survivors right yes all right so there is an alternative yeah is this, so this is whole life, and how long's the whole life policy been in place? Um, gosh, since the since about two thousand. Okay, so you've been paying for a generation on this policy. Do you know how much cash value it has at this point? Uh, gosh, I don't think it really has any. It has doesn't have much, at least according to the statements I get. After 20 years, you have no cash value buildup? Uh, I'd have to take another look okay. on it. I uh, can tell. Um, I, I I, but you've already told cash, me enough that yeah. I know what to recommend to you. Okay. There's a nonprofit organization called the Consumer Federation of America, and you can pay okay. them $135. And they will have a, an insurance expert go through your entire insurance contract and where it sits right now, and you can you can tell the insurance expert what it is you're trying to figure out, and he or she will be able to tell you what it is that you should be doing with this policy whether it makes sense for you to, uh, there may be cash value in it that maybe you should borrow against, so you don't trigger a tax event. You may even be able, the 20-year-old policy, to have that $185 a month paid for by the policy and reduce your expenses. I mean, if you've been in one 20 years, usually it's better for you to keep it going. This service that I'm talking about is run by a guy named uh, Jim Hunt, who used to be a state insurance commissioner, and he just hated seeing consumers ripped off by the life insurance industry. And that's why this is a service that the Consumer Federation of America offers, and he oversees it. So okay. it's well so worth you spending. Trigger, the, go ahead. Yeah. Would it trigger a tax event to do? It depends on you what you would do. If you sell the policy... Yes, you'll likely trigger a tax event. Yeah. Um, if you okay. borrow from the policy, you don't. But I don't want you to take this as an up or down answer. I really want you to spend the $135. Okay. And have All an right. outside third party, it's a consumer group, you know, they're, they're only working for you, evaluate and tell you what is best for you to do. Now, they have a special website at the Consumer Federation of America that you can go to and it'll walk you through the whole thing and what they need from you to tell you what you really got there and what's best to do with it. And that website 
is evaluatelifeinsurance.org. Okay. And so please go check out the website, send in the information that they need, and get a true understanding about what's best with that 20-year-old policy. You know, the first 15 years, you are always on the downside. You're the loser in a whole life insurance policy because the massive commissions and fees and expenses built into one. But once you get past, depending on the insurer, once you get past 12 to 15 years, it starts becoming more and more to your advantage. You've been in at 20. I hate for you to throw it away if you have one that would be very advantageous to you. And that's why I'd want you to have the evaluation done. Today's Clark Rageous moment is something that I had to wait to talk about because I've been so upset and I didn't want to just go crazy on the on the show about it. It concerns two employees of one of the nation's largest banks, U.S. Bank, which I think is the fifth or sixth largest bank in the country, that got fired because an employee out of her own pocket helped a bank customer that was having a problem with U.S. Bank. If you've heard this story, I think it bears repeating. If you've not heard it, it will make your stomach twist into knots. So a customer of the bank had switched jobs and had gotten a paycheck from their new job. This is December 23rd, two days before Christmas. They needed the money um, to pay for life and to pay for Christmas. And they couldn't even buy gas for their vehicle. The customer was an Oregon, an Oregon customer, and the original stories were in the Oregonian. And Emily James, who's a, who was a senior banker at U.S. Bank, heard about what was going on with the customer, a guy named Mark, and she, on her own, went to meet the customer and gave the customer $20 out of her own pocket on Christmas Eve. And U.S. Bank said that that was a violation of policy and fired her and her manager who knew that she did it. She handed him 20 bucks in cash, said Merry Christmas, went back to work. Bank finds out that she did a charitable deed and fired her on New Year's Eve. U.S. Bank statements, when it became a media story, became were so hostile cold and mean that it put gasoline on a fire and this has become a national story that won't go away now in u.s bank's backyard several stories have now run in the minneapolis star tribune and now the bank is reconsidering more than a month after their firing and now they said it's important to acknowledge our mistakes and when we fall short of our own high expectations, the CEO said, I take full responsibility. But still they haven't reinstated the senior banker, Emily James, apologized to her or her manager They were both fired because she took $20 out of her own pocket to help a stranded customer on Christmas Eve. You know, this is like right out of A Wonderful Life. She's Jimmy Stewart. And U.S. Bank, you are Mr. Potter and Potterville. 
Now, we're a little late for a Christmas reference in February, but I can tell you, I have been so steaming mad about this. What happens in the culture of these giant monster mega banks that they become so heartless, so cruel, so mean-spirited that the humanity in the organizations get squeezed out and that lower echelons at the bank thought it was a great idea to fire people for having a heart. Not with the bank's money, their own. By popular request, I'm actually going to talk about ways to do Valentine afford, Valentine's affordably instead of waiting till the last second. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show where you learn ways to keep more of what you make. And our websites are Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. So Valentine's Day, guys in particular, are such procrastinators, so last minute. And I, on the other hand, um, I'm normally not a planner, but I plan special events. So every year I get my wife two dozen roses from Costco before the prices go to the much higher valentine's day prices and they're not looking as healthy now i got them for her a week ago but anyway um you know she gets the flowers she gets two dozen for 17.99 it's a deal and then i get her trinkets and i give her a little trinket every day for 14 days leading up to valentine's day and then we go to dinner not on Valentine's Day because the restaurants are too crowded. A lot of them use those special overpriced menus. Service isn't as good. So we'll go the night before or the night after. And that's when we'll have our Valentine's dinner. So it's no less romantic. It's probably more so because, you know, the, you get better service and it's more intimate in a restaurant when there's not one million people there and they're rushing you along because you got to turn the table. You'll probably spend less money. I also have for you a guide we put together on Clark Deals of 20 things you can buy for Valentine's Day that are under 20 bucks, a lot of them under 10. So um, things that you want to give the guy in your life or the woman in your life, you will have a variety of choices here that are at reasonable prices, some of them specifically geared as Valentine's Day items, but others not specifically Valentine's, but work for it, that are, in fact, deals. And so running out at the last minute and panic buying, that's not my thing. I want you to save money. And don't do what somebody thought I was serious about last year, which is day after Valentine's Day, buy up all the Valentine's stuff on clearance and hold it for a year and then give it let me tell you those chocolates aren't going to be good a year later sorry they're not so just think this through and on the flowers if you are a last minute kind of person it's become a tradition around the country that supermarkets heavily discount roses for valentine's day they won't be the quality of roses you'd get from a traditional professional florist but they're going to look good, and they'll be much cheaper, typically from the supermarkets. And this really all started with Trader Joe's forever ago. But with the supermarkets, you're going to be able to get 
roses, typically 15 a dozen to 19 a dozen is where they usually end up. And then you get to deliver them yourself. I have never understood why women get excited about a stranger, a courier, delivering flowers to their place of work. Why not have your sweetheart or husband deliver to you at work? And then it's like a twofer. You get to see your sweetheart and your sweetheart delivers you flowers and you save a ton of money. Just the way I see it. Robert's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Robert. Hello. How are you doing? Great. Thank you, Robert. How can I serve you? Well, I'm a little upset about my uh, daughter's student loan, um, which I, of course, helped fill out with my information. And now, for some reason, my credit score has gone down 174 points. Oh, no. And I'm not sure if this has everything to do with it or if I co-signed on this or... Yeah, so you would have had to, out, you so. would have had to co-sign, or the lenders made a mistake and think you co-signed. So here's the thing with student loans: Are these um, is your daughter undergraduate or graduate? Uh, graduate. All right. So these are plus loans. So Correct. there are plus loans that are the obligation only of the graduate student, and then there are what are known as parent plus loans. They're an obligation of the parent. Yeah, I think these are parent plus loans. Okay, so you are completely on the hook for those loans, and you're the responsible party that has to make the payments. Okay, and if she defers it right now while she's looking for a job, does that mean I have to defer it too, or I have to pay on them right now? So she cannot defer a parent plus loan. She can defer loans that she took out, but she can't defer the parent plus. So if if you think those loans have been uh, deferred, odds are the lender doesn't think that at all, and they probably aren't if they're parent plus. Yeah, that's what I think, because she showed me the paper saying she has nothing due at this time, so... So but, I, wonder, like that, I wonder if there's more than one set of loans... I think, yeah, I, I was just pulling up a little bit ago, and it looks like there might be four separate loans. Okay, so you could have a combination of things going on. Um, so I'm wrong. Parent plus loans are eligible for deferment in the event that your child is still in grad school. And the rules are up to three years. But if you have multiple type of loans, it's possible that she p- applied for deferment on one type and did not apply for deferment on another type. And since you have four different types of loans, you got to dig into this with her and say, hey, look, I got all four of these types. Who did you defer loans with? And you're going to have to start chasing it down. It's also possible because of all the inaccuracies with student loans that she has properly deferred those loans, but the lender has not reflected that and is showing you in default on the loans and devastating your credit score. Would something like that devastate it that much, 174 Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If you 
if you're um, late on payments, if they show you haven't made payments on time, your credit score can, let me think what, what number. So how you pay your bills is about 300 points of what makes up your score. So but even if it's just one out of all of them, even if it's I've, one out of all of them, because lenders freak out when someone misses any kind of loan payment. And so there may have been more than one month missed and it kind of feeds on itself and what it does to your credit score. So how long ago did, did she start deferring loans? Um, well, she graduated uh, last, uh, no, I mean, one year ago, December, so a little over a year. Okay, so I need for you to get, do you have an actual copy of your credit report, or do you only have what happened to your score? Um, just happened to my score. I looked on uh, Credit Karma yesterday. All right, so at Credit Karma, you can look at your report, and you need to see if a loan is being reported as past due and how many months past due and that'll be on there there's a thing when you sign into your credit karma dashboard you can see the actual credit report for two of the three bureaus and you'll be able to see right. and then you'll know what loan actual part which of the four loans is being reported as delinquent actually i think it's all four because it all all four said that they're delinquent by so many days so okay then you you and your daughter have a part-time job here where you need to talk to these lenders and get to the bottom of this particularly if she has documents showing the loans were properly put into deferment that this be cleared up with your credit if in fact she's got documentation showing that all the loans were put into deferment and okay. I want to hear back from you about this because this happens to so many parents you can't believe. Yeah, it's quite upsetting. Oh, yeah. And you've got you've to really, when I say you need to treat this like a part-time job, you got to because your credit reputation can be harmed for so long if you don't get to the bottom of this. And I've had an excellent credit score for years and then boom. Right, Gone so just like that. I'm going to skip ahead and tell you something. If you've got things buttoned up and the lenders are still doing it wrong, you've got to go file a complaint against the individual student lenders at consumerfinance.gov. Okay. And remember, that's a .gov. And hang on just a second, Robert, because I want to make sure that we can find out from you later what's actually happened with these loans. Kathy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Kathy. Hi, Clark. Hey. What's going so, on, Kathy? Well, several months ago, um, our daughter moved to Chicago for her first professional job just out of college. And um, it's time for us to spend her off on her own auto insurance, you know, becoming independent. And um, given the fact that she primarily uses uh, the public transportation in Chicago, um, she has opted for a car poli or auto insurance policy that is pay-as-you-go or pay-by-the-mile. And I am just wondering um, if that is just as good as traditional insurance coverage or if there's anything that we need to be concerned about. No, if she's a light uh, volume user of the vehicle, 
then using a pay-by-the-mile auto insurer is brilliant. Okay. Because regular auto insurers don't really treat your premiums with the scalpel that a pay-by-the-mile auto insurer will. And so even, you know, how they'll ask you in an auto insurer, how many miles do you drive a year? And you'll say, I drive blah, blah, blah. It makes amazingly little difference in your premiums with the traditional auto industry. But with the newbies that have started up in the last few years where you pay by the mile, people who drive an exceptionally low number of miles end up with uh, significantly lower auto insurance rates. Fantastic. Um, Which one is she thinking of using? Um, I believe um, Metro Mile. But, okay, Metro uh, Mile is the one I've had calls about before, and okay. they're only in a handful of states. They're in one, two, three, four, five, six, looks like eight states right now. And, uh, you know, if it keeps working for them, they'll keep adding states. Uh, I should tell others where they are. Um, Arizona, California, Illinois, New Jersey, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Washington State. And then would you um, have any qualms about a senior citizen taking advantage of this type of policy? I'm thinking of my parents who live in a small town, do not drive. And drive like a thousand miles a year, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So the idea of this is that, you know, they're able to track your miles with a device in the vehicle. And if you don't mind that, why not? You know, why not pay for just what you use? It's okay, metering so it's metering your driving as to how they underwrite a senior citizen because, you know, unfortunately, as people age, the accident rate per mile driven goes up. It's like, you know how a 16-year-old boy is like a menace to himself and the rest of the world on the roads? <laughs> that happens with people as they get past a certain age. And so insurers calculate that in. So I'd say all you got to do is get a quote and you'll know the answer to that. I have a question about your daughter, though, living in Chicago. Yes. Might it be cheaper for her to not actually own a car and use like a a Zipcar or use Uber and Lyft when she needs to go around? We hadn't considered that. but she has found that she's been down there um, four to six months at this point. And she has found that um, having a car really um, aids in her ability to come home. It's a, it's a hundred miles one way. So um, it's, so yes, it's, it's been easier for her to still have access to the car. Um, we, because we really did want her to try without the car at all. And um, she just didn't feel like it worked. Well, my daughter lives in, auto crazy los angeles and she's now been there without a car two years and she's starting to hankering started hankering for having a vehicle but so far she's gotten around uh with friends and uber and lyft and actually on the public bus this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance hey listeners whether you love true crime or comedies celebrity interviews news or even motivational speakers you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue right and guess what now you can call the shots on your auto insurance too 
Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Phil is with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Phil, there's something that makes you steam. What is it? Well, you know, Clark, I need to pick your logical brain because this is totally illogical to me. I'm, I'm Spring break's coming up. I, uh, I'm going to be doing some international travel. Um, and I live in a city that has a, a major airline and it's a major hub. But I found that if I plan that trip to Europe, let's say, um, it'll be 1200 to $1,500 round trip per person. But if I take a trip to a smaller town or a coastal town, um, I can take that trip for $250 and then fly from that city to the same destination I was going to fly from my major hub for like 450 So total cost ends up being half of what it's going to cost from my city. Yep. This is, is a, 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 this is happening. This is happening in the fort, what's known in the industry as fortress hubs. Um, American in Charlotte, Delta and Atlanta, American in Dallas, United uh, somewhat in Chicago, American in Philadelphia, that they're using their dominant chokehold position, the three full fare airlines in their hub cities are gouging the locals with fares that are two to three times what they are out of a competitive city. In fact, a lot of times, if you have smaller air markets within a couple of hours from where you live, you may find that you can take that trip to Europe at less than half the cost driving two or three hours. And ironically enough, usually the flight will come back through the fortress hub where you live and go from there on to Europe and you'll just save a fortune by having driven the couple of hours up front. Is that logical to you? Yeah, it's, it's it, well... I wouldn't say it's fair, but it's logical. I mean, it's free market. (laughs) And the airlines have been able to establish these dominant positions, and they've been able to use that dominance to set fares at typically three times the cost. And they have been able to exploit dominance in the market in their fortress hubs where they control virtually 100% of the air service internationally, and you get ripped off. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.